0: All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 528. It's me and Jason today, and we're covering Jordan Maxwell. Uh, you may recall that on episode 524, we covered Cooper, Bill Cooper. Word to the wise, if you take an interest in the work of Cooper and the work of Maxwell, you may want to go out online right now and grab things and download them. They're disappearing. They're becoming harder to find. I imagine it's stuff like this that will eventually maybe not be scrubbed from the internet, but not easily found using a search engine. And by the way, uh, archive.org or .com, whatever it is, I think it's .org, is uh, becoming less and less useful compared to what it once was. So from this point forward, if you find things that are informational-centric and you feel they're important, I would advise you download them and back them up anyhow welcome jason
1: oh and a hot louisiana
0: morning we got so it was not too long ago we lost jordan maxwell right it's like less than a year is that correct
1: uh last year yep last year
0: Can you imagine the amount of information that went with that man i remember feeling that way when my father left you know it hit me i don't know some months later the amount of information that left the world with him that was you know peculiar to his life but um uh, You want to add anything or you want to jump in here?
1: Well, yeah, he was definitely a great loss. That's for sure. I don't really know what else to say about him other than uh, he spent an entire lifetime from, as far as I know, the age of 19, doing the kind of things that he was known for.
0: You know, this is maybe a good opportunity. I've seen comments recently, and this goes on where we'll have a guest on, and they'll mention a thing that we've beaten to the ground pretty thoroughly, like, uh, NASA's model of the spinning everything or something like that. And someone will make the comment. It's hard to take this person serious. And I think this is case in point. When you take someone like Jordan Maxwell, consider how much he offered to the world and then consider some of the things that we are now taking apart that they probably weren't aware of, or for that matter, take my life. Imagine all the things that I have not put together that are false which at this point, <laughs> I, I, I look at everything as false until I have a reason not to. But the point is, I think that's a narrow way to view the world right now. Um, there are a lot of people trying to play catch up, and there's a like a zero point where you reach a certain place in your life and you begin to realize this is all poppycock. It's all been spun sideways, left is right. And at that point, everything begins to change, but I don't think it's helpful to use someone who may consider that what they've been told about the world is still correct to defame everything else they've done. I don't think it's helpful at all. And I think we should adjust and look for the valuable things that any given individual has to offer. But with that, kick the soapbox away from me and let's do this, Jason.
1: Well, Jordan was quite fond of saying nothing in this world works the way you think it does. His official bio states, Jordan Maxwell was an independent scholar in the field of occult religious philosophy. His interest in those subjects had begun as far back as 1959. He had served for three and a half years as the religion editor of Truth Seeker magazine, America's oldest free thought journal since 1873. His work explored the hidden foundations of Western religions and secret societies that created enthusiastic responses from audiences around the world. He has conducted dozens of intensive seminars, hosted his own radio talk shows, guested on more than 600 radio shows, and written, produced, and appeared in numerous television shows and documentaries, including three two-hour specials for the CBS TV network, as well as the internationally acclaimed five-part ancient mystery series, all devoted to understanding ancient religions and their pervasive influence on world affairs today. Jordan was born on December 28th, 1940, and passed away on March 23rd, 2022.
0: Interesting, he was born very near the low point of the sun, and he was born very near the equinox, or I'm sorry, he died very near the equinox in 2022. Actually, depending on his geography, it might have been very close, so I, I wasn't aware of the CBS TV specials, the two-hour specials. Uh, have you reviewed that? Are you aware of what those are, Jason?
1: I've seen one of them that was called The Naked Truth. That might be one of the ones I'm referring to because he's pretty young in that compared to some of the other stuff I've seen of his.
0: Isn't it interesting that CBS cover them? So knowing what you do about the CBS content, where the punch is pulled, I mean, how do you feel about that?
1: The one that I saw very much was involved with the subject of astrotheology. Do you
0: feel like he laid it down, or do you feel like it was powder-coated for the uh, CBS audience?
1: Well, considering that was probably from the early 90s, I would say it was dead on, really. He was nailing it, and the other two people who were uh, contributing to the program as well, they were nailing it. Just they were, they were hammering home the concept of Jesus wasn't real, but he is the sun, the S-U-N. Well, I guess that's got an agenda
0: of its own to try to get people to throw out the religious traditions that they were raised with in this part of the world, which I think is equally unhelpful, by the way. But I saw recently, warmed my heart, actually, some young YouTubers, I don't know if I had to guess, maybe they're in their 20s, interviewing Maxwell. It was good to see him reach across the generations, but go ahead, it's all you.
1: So all the points that we will be discussing will come from Jordan Maxwell's point of view and not what Crow or myself think of reality. With that being said, Jordan was of the mind that we aren't progressing, but actually moving further away from the heights that humanity once displayed, and that we are trying to catch up on what the ancient peoples knew tens of thousands of years ago. Although the people may have looked like us, there is something about them that was superior to what we are now. Throughout his life, Jordan repeatedly stressed that nothing in this world works as you think it does and that the people will perish for lack of knowledge.
0: So I think he hits on a really key point here. It occurred to me a couple of years ago that it kind of feels like what the basically corporate powers that be or the powers that be through all the corporations they own are trying to do is keep us in a permanent dark age. And so, as we are hitting a natural cycle where we should be rising and consciousness should be rising, things like the medicine we get, the food we get, things like the inoculations they're in my view, they're meant to cap us down and to try to put a lid on growing forward. But I don't really think you can argue with what he's saying here. If you look around, consciousness is definitely rising. We see people, particularly young people, doing some pretty mind-blowing things that if they'd done in the 60s or 70s would have made them world famous. And now it's almost becoming commonplace. And I've said it so many times, even dogs doing things like riding skateboards in the way a skateboard was intended to be used. But I think he's right. I think that what's happening is many of us are doing the consciousness shift upward, but we're fighting against the stream And that stream is created by all the goods and services and lawmakers and corporations in the world. And the closing line here, the truth will set you free. There's so much truth to that old cliche. Uh, It remains to be seen where we get to with so much effort being put forward to
1: prevent us from basically reaching for the stars. If you look back to the beginning of Egypt, it appears that they came in already being an advanced society of builders with advanced knowledge. These people then devolved to what we see today. Whoever those people were, they may have come from somewhere else, because the knowledge that they possessed is superior to what we have today, and we have been trying to get back to where they had been. It seems that the ancient people possessed some kind of occult science, a science that included spirituality.
0: My best guess at this point is that if you went back to those periods that he's referencing where they were higher, they could remember a time where those people were higher. If the Kali Yuga models and other cycles of ages and time are correct, uh, we've been falling for quite a while, thousands and thousands of years. Uh, If what I currently accept is probably correct, we have turned the corner and we are on the upswing. So all that time that he's referencing – They were in fact higher consciousness, higher abilities, but they were falling down to what's called the Kali Yuga in the Eastern traditions. Around the 1700s, we came out of that. Around the 1900s, we did the transition period. And supposedly, we're in the up cycle now. And that's where my contention and my argument is put forward that the powers that be are aware of the cycles. And what they've tried to do is prevent us turning the corner and come to the upswing, keeping a permanent dark age. But I don't know how you feel about it, Jason. I don't think we've ever heard a true thing about Egypt. And with what we know of it, it does appear that someone blinked their eye and all of a sudden all these amazing things were here. I think mostly that is just for lack of information. But again, those amazing things that we see, it is my point of view that if, though, if we could magically go back and stand where they were standing, they could look back and see people that were at a higher level than they were. That's my best observation.
1: My thoughts have been for a very long time that we don't know much about what the ancient world actually was. I think that we're shown probably a zillionth percent of what the reality is. And for all we know, they don't even know. So they're just presenting surface facts.
0: Well, the whole narrative that we've been handed in school falls apart if for one second it is admitted that there were cultures behind us that were higher than we are, more capable. They did things that we can't even imagine. And how that's been covered up for so long is almost stupefying. I mean, we can easily go into places like India and see amazing temples carved from a single piece of stone. We don't have the first clue or idea to how that could even be pulled off. And that sets aside all the shaping of stones or even the size of stones that were moved. That's all been covered and whisked under the carpet as well as it could be. But this is all coming forward now. And I don't think it's going to be long before the mainstream models of his story
1: uh, begin to fall apart because of what's just in plain view. It seems that the pyramids that are scattered around the world are solar pyramids focused on studying and understanding the heavens. The ancient people were looking for answers as to why we are here and then moved to developing religions, philosophies, alchemy, astrology, medicine, and human interrelationships, which then led to other metaphysical pursuits. Since the word occult means hidden, these ancient people were trying to uncover things that had been hidden from them. Modern people seem to be finally realizing just how important spiritual matters actually are to our daily lives. They're trying, and they're trying to view through religions, which
0: have been mostly unhelpful. Consider this. When we went into COVID, uh, every mosque, every temple, every church that closed is not an authentic, legitimate, whatever you want to say, religious organization. It just isn't. This was the time when they were needed most. And if they shut their doors, then that kind of demonstrates where we are. Uh, In terms of what the pyramids were for and the idea that these people were reaching for a thing, I don't view it that way at all. I view that they recognize what we call earth as a living place. I think things like ley lines and chakras and all these things were known, but the information was being lost all the way up to our time. And look how much has been lost by our time. But again, I don't think we've ever been told a true thing by mainstream people like Zahi Hawass, I don't think has ever said
1: a true thing about Egypt. Three is a very important number, and the concept of a triune god or a trinity goes way back in history. It can be traced back to the oldest living religion, Hinduism, which has ancient scriptures dating back more than 4,000 years. The Hindu trinity is also known as the Trimurti, Sanskrit for three forms, and it includes Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva, From there, we can look at other triune gods. In Judaism, there is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham seems to come from Brahma, a Brahma, or Abraham. Ancient Egypt also had a triune god with Isis, Osiris, and Horus. Sumeria had Anu, Enlil, and Ea. And of course, Christianity has God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
0: So everybody bear in mind that what's being read here is the point of view of Jordan Maxwell, but there's no denying they all have three. In my mind, what's actually going on here is it's reflecting the realities that are put forth in nature, particularly a good way to look at this is geometry. You want to build something, you start with a dot. You get two dots, you get a line, you can't build anything. When you get to three, now you've got a triangle. Now you're cooking with oil. You can build things. You could even look at it like a stool. I want to make a stool. I have two legs. Doesn't work. I have three. Now it works. Gets even better when I get four legs. Uh, This is reflected in geometry. But uh, this is actually reflected in ideas about the numerical system and the characters we use. The characters we use typically called Arabic. One, two, three, four. Now there are schools of thought that have shown that supposedly each number is representational of the sun. And I think there's something to that. But did you know that people have broken down that each number has the number of angles in the numerical value it is talking about? Like the number three, if written in a certain way, would show three angles. And this begins to show the importance of why, in my view, the religious traditions all have
1: this, same idea going on each of the planets and each of the gods in the ancient world were associated with a different color the color for saturn was black the priests of saturn wore black robes and that is still seen today with priests and judges the ancient people seemed to know that saturn had rings and therefore women would wear ear rings to listen to their god and one would wear a wedding ring to show respect to Saturn. Kings would wear a round crown or ring, but this also gets interchanged with the sun, and there have been various times where Saturn and the sun have been used interchangeably. As a side note, the color green was associated with Venus, which is what the Islamic flag uses. The crescent as well as the star represent Venus. So much going
0: on here, Jason. Uh, the, The metal for Venus is copper, this idea of Saturn in some of the oldest accounts, you will see ideas that Saturn is the ancient one and that it originally formed everything that is our solar system. In old occulted views, that is, but it's not the Saturn that we have now, it's another Saturn. But the ring idea to me that always references back to Saturn. Let's look at the wedding ring. So you've entered into a contract, a contract is binding. And to me, that's what's being represented in the wedding band, the binding contract that you've entered into. But this is another thing that we've lost. These ideas used to be all inclusive. I have a planet idea. This is going to represent a spiritual idea. Or if they want to say gods, go ahead, lower G gods. I don't think that's the right word. I think it should be aspect of nature. But for Saturn, the color is black. Each of the luminaries has a color. Each of them has a metal. It's all referencing what is true or proven true to us by the natural world or the creation. But as Maxwell gets in, he's simply uncovering things that we should have been told in school that we weren't. And we weren't because the intent was to keep us sheep-like followers, not thinkers. You know, it's the old idea. Do you ever meet someone who was really good at math and they had some weird way of doing large multiplications or division in their head. Remember what they used to say in school? Oh, no, you've got to show your work, right? So the system trying to corral you into, nope, clearly your way is better. You can do this extended math problem in your head, but you really need to come back to our slow, methodical way and show your work. I think it all relates back to the same thing, trying to prevent us from putting together that, What people like Walter Russell said is true. The idea of that universal one. If it's a color, if it's a sound, if it's an angle, it can all be shown to interrelate back to one.
1: You know, I think it was geometry class that I used to have that issue with, where I found that I could break everything down to cross multiplication, which made things very easy. And I kept hearing that same thing. Oh, you got to show your work. I'm like, but this makes sense and it's quick and easy. Don't you want to just get whatever the problem is done? And that was always something that stuck in my mind that I remember it however many decades later.
0: Old tricks are the best tricks. Why Why do we have to show our work? So we know you're not cheating. So wait a minute, I'm being accused of possibly cheating if I can't show my work. That's a bass world. And they're doing the same thing in banking right now, right? This is one of the defamatory reasons put forward for gold. Because those you know money launderers, they love to use gold. Or- even getting to the point now where if you withdraw more than so many thousands of dollars, they're gonna ask you all kinds of questions. Why? Because of money laundering, same idea being applied. Clearly, we should suspect you of breaking rules and laws. And this is the crux of where we are in this kind of cycle where they're trying to maintain a so you know a dark era, a Kali Yuga. At some point, we recognize our God-given rights and we defend them and basically say, What right? you have to tell me anything or to accuse or assume anything of me. You have no probable cause, which used to be an important idea, which has slipped away. But, you know, the old tricks are the best tricks, Jason.
1: The cult of Saturn or L. The ancient name of Saturn was L. E-L. It's the reason why those that were chosen by L were called elites. The words elect, elder, elevated, Elohim, temple, circle, gospel, apostle, disciple, evangelists, etc., are all derived from L. We also have the angels, who are messengers of God. But God was L, and we have the names of the archangels bearing the L suffix, such as Raphael, Michael, Uriel, Gabriel, etc.,
0: So this can even be taken further. If you get the masculine idea of electricity or the feminine idea of magnetism, like, I don't know, Mary Magdalene, this goes on and on. And again, this is the education that should have been given us. We should have had these doors open so that we should have been aware. But what's actually happened is it's been occulted or hidden from our view and then basically used against us to the point where when we walk into a courtroom, have you ever heard anyone ask, why is that dude up there wearing a black robe? For that matter, why are we wearing black robes when we graduate? These are standard questions which should have been asked. And yet the normalcy, and this is just what we do, has ruled the day. Up to now, that's starting to change.
1: The plural term Elohim appears over 2,500 times in the Old Testament, but is falsely translated in most versions. This fact of plurality explains why, in Genesis, gods said, let us make man in our image. As stated, Elohim refers to both gods and goddesses, and its singular form, El, served as a prefix or suffix to names of gods, people, and places, whence, Emmanuel, Gabriel, Bethel, etc. Even Satan was one of the Elohim.
0: Okay, again, these are Jordan Maxwell's ideas. And I would urge people to go back and review the work of Maxwell. This is maybe the epitome of words have meaning. It, it forces your mind to think in a different way. And I think that's important because as we pointed out, what school did was tried to turn you into a sheep put you in a corral, and you think like the person next to you think, and that's how it's going to be in this corral. And this way of thinking tries to kick down those gates.
1: By the way, there are multiple lectures from like the early 2000s-ish that you can still find on YouTube. One of the best ones is several hours long, and you'll see Jordan wearing a black turtleneck and like a uh, tannish It looks like a velvet jacket of some sort, but uh, he's going through a lot of this stuff. It's a very, very good lecture, I think from like 2004 or somewhere in that ballpark at a conference. But there are several others of that nature out there, and when one goes down, other people upload it. So that stuff's still available on YouTube. However, I can't give you specific titles because they're always being deleted and re-uploaded.
0: You know, there's a lot to take in here, and part of the problem has been is a lot of times this gets presented as if you are a practicing Christian, then you should feel like what you were told uh, invalidates everything about your religious tradition, and I think you should do everything you can to push that way of thinking at arm's length and begin to realize this is information, Mm -hmm. and I saw a lot of people, like, trying to defame the work of uh, Maxwell and actually for that matter, Cooper, but you get to points where there's inarguable things that he throws in to the mix. Like one of them I remember was, you know, when you get a check out of your checkbook and the place you sign your signature, where you're basically, I don't know, you want to call it forming a contract, making an agreement, signing on the dotted line. Well, get out a very powerful magnet magnifying glass and look At that line, you are signing. Uh, To this day, whenever I write checks, I put a line, a black line, through under the line where I am signing. I do a few things, but it's not a black line. And that goes to show you the probability of what you're being told here. People want to dismiss this as, oh, this is conspiratorial. This can't, if I told you right now that on your check where you're signing your line, there are secret little written words. Most people would say, I don't believe you, but this is case in point. Go get a magnifying glass and take a closer look. I'm guessing you might have something to add to that, Jason.
1: That's something I've heard Jordan say, in fact. And yes, indeed. I forget what it says. (sighs) Off the top of my head, I don't remember, but I could easily look it up.
0: I think it actually varies because I know for a fact it's true. And what I noticed is there was a difference between two accounts that I had. But the point is, is... You expect a black line that shows you where to sign. What's actually going on is someone has written words and hidden them. That should tell you all you need to know. There is a coercion, if that's even the right word. There is an underhanded effort being put in place in an everyday thing that you do, sign a check. And so that's where the importance of what's being offered here comes into play. And that is a demonstration that it's not deniable. Go get the magnifying glass.
1: Well, the trick of it is it's so tiny that it just looks like a dotted line. But in fact, when you do get the magnifying glass, you will see what is written there.
0: Let's take it a little further. If I took that, I actually did it. I scanned one of my checks and I printed it on my printer and it couldn't print that small. So it also tells you that the equipment they're using uh, when you look at it in a magnifying glass, those tiny, tiny, tiny micro dot letters are sharp and crisp. So even the devices that they're using to create these checks have to be specialized to a level that allows them to pull
1: off such a ruse. When witches cast a spell, they put the hex or six on someone. And when chefs deep fry something, they deep six it. It is the elite's who run the world today. Elite comes from the Israelites, which came from the Egyptian worship of the moon, Isis, the sun, Ra, and Saturn, Elohim, hence, Is-Ra-El. Jews and Muslims alike worship a huge black cube or box called Kaaba at Mecca. Their god, Yahweh, Y-H-W-H, is known as the tetragrammaton, meaning their four-letter or four-sided god. The Kabbalah of Jewish mysticism or masonry comes from Kabbalah or cube god around which people gather and ceremonially walk in circles. Thus, it can be said they are circling the square. Masons are also constantly referring to circling the square and squaring the circle. For instance, this is why a boxing match is fought for rounds in the ring, but it is actually a four-sided square arena with corners. The Freemasonic G, geometry, god symbol, within a compass and T-square symbolizes this as well. Just as people circle around their cube god, Kaba, so the Masons use a compass square around their G, god, geometry.
0: You know, we just got some paranoid email sent to us the other day. Uh, We were talking about it last night. You made the comment, baby truther, but someone very concerned with the illuminated G in some, I don't know whether it was an episode image or something about the website. And this is case in point. So what I would say about everything here is you are looking at things that reference aspects of nature and in our very sheepish education that tries to make everybody a carbon copy of the person next to them to keep them into the corral, you're taught to be afraid of these things, like they're somehow black magic or satanic, and they're going to steal your soul, when in fact, the majority of it is re- referencing aspects of nature. But even, you know, I, I'll, I'll bet you, Jason, the, uh, what's it called, the mortarboard when we graduate from school, is that called a mortar board? Yep,
1: the square mortar board.
0: Yeah, that must be a version of squaring the circle. And even it that is. comes back to geometry. It used to be very difficult sometime to take the volumetric area of a circle and match it to the volumetric area of a square. And actually, I've seen versions in India where they would make these uh, fire pits which were very precise. You could only use so many bricks, so much geometry, but it would do these kinds of things. And so there is something very powerful, apparently, about the knowledge that allows you to do these things. And in terms of being afraid of black magic, I would say this. Are you an evil person? Do you have malice on your mind? Well, then you'll probably be okay. The one thing you should look out for is being coerced or fooled. It's that simple. But that that is true of every day. When you go to buy a used car, do you go into it saying, oh, well, everything this person tells me is true? Or do you watch yourself and do everything you can to make sure you're not fooled in some way? And when you go into the woods, it's the same thing. You do things to ensure that you're safe. Do I have water? Do I have food? Oh, I know that there's mountain lions, so I've got to pay attention here. It's really no different. And yet this sheepish education we've had often gets people in that paranoid, fearful mindset. And in a way, that's exactly what it was designed to do. Because in that mindset, if you fall into it, you are less. I am less. Anyone would be less. And there's no reason to be afraid. It's aspects of nature. Now, are the people who know about this using it in coercive ways? Yeah. I just told you about a line on a check which should just be a black line, and yet it's not. But once you know about it, you can deal with it.
1: Looking into the Saturn death cult is an investigation into ancient planetary upheavals that are said to have heralded the birth and destruction of a fabled golden age. After this, mankind degenerated into the obsessive pursuit of wealth and power through the twisted horrors of slavery, child sacrifice, and mass murder rituals. The planet Saturn has been portrayed in certain mythology as the original sun, where it was fixed in the heavens at Earth's celestial north, and from where it watched over the ancients like the all-seeing eye of God. So if people, I
0: think it is Steiner
1: who does the
0: breakdown, and this may rub against Rosicrucian ideas. Matter of fact, I think it does. Mm -hmm. If you want to hear the idea about Saturn as the original sun or the predecessor to how our solar system or any solar system would be, I think that's what's being referenced here. Mm -hmm. So he says the destruction of a fabled golden age. I don't accept that the golden age is fabled. I think it's a fact. I think that we go in cycles. I think that all things go in cycles. And I think the abilities that we currently have will get to a point once again, at some point in the future, where what a human being can do is almost magical. I accept that there were human beings that were much bigger than than we accept is even possible right now. As a matter of fact, if you go back to old newspaper clippings in this country from the early, very early 1900s, There is archaeological article after article that talks about all the giants that they found and the red-haired people. You can find it in the tales of the so-called Indians from this country. And this is also wrapped into the idea of a golden age, because in those traditions that recognize that kind of a cyclical possibility, they will tell you that human beings are much larger, as is their consciousness. Maybe part of this even goes into why we have the dinosaur idea, trying to cover up for when things were bigger at a supposed golden age. But Saturn in and of itself, I do not view as a horrific negative thing at all. And the reason for it is because it's no different than any other thing or any, well, it is different. Its energy is different. Its color is different. Its metal is different. And most of the things that we associate with it, we don't care for. It's almost like you could think of it as a very harsh taskmaster. Get this right, or you're going to pay for it. And you're going to pay for it hard until you get it right, is maybe the simplest way to begin to talk about it. But if you know anybody who's into astrology, talk to them a little bit about Saturn to get a better grip on it. But in everything we've said here, are there people that can throw on black robes and do some terrible things? Yes, indeed. And by the way, those judges in our courtrooms are still wearing the Saturnian robes, but we're graduating in them too, aren't we?
1: I've also heard it referenced about the Lord of the Rings and the all-seeing eye of Sauron.
0: I, I don't think there's, yeah. I remember all those years ago when all of a sudden I realized that all at once and I was a baby truther, if that's the right word at that time. And I thought, oh, great. Now this is ruined for me uh, until I grew up a little bit. Uh, But yeah, it's being referenced. There's no doubt about it. And there's a reason why it's referenced and everything in our world comes down to intent in a way nature works the way it works. But the people who come in comprehending things at different levels, what is their intent? Are they compassionate? Are they the opposite of compassionate? Are they hyper materialist? In the, in the paragraph you just read, it says, well, then we fell into obsessive pursuits of wealth and power. That, that's materialism, right? And once you get to hyper materialism where we are now, that's a tough place to be because it's really not a helpful place to be when we recognize that nature is what nature is, and hypermaterialism forces us to use nature in unhelpful ways. We destroy things, we make a mess of things, and then we become very self-centered and we pursue wealth and
1: power. Well, there's something else Jordan used to say a lot in reference to mainstream stories in general, and it is, George Lucas and Spielberg are many things, but stupid is not one of them.
0: That's a good point. And I would say that of a lot of the institutions that are put together at such a high level, it boggles the minds. minds reminds me, remember when we were interviewing Sui Generis and he had tracked those documents from birth forward and we kept, you know, he kept asking who who created this? You know, can anyone tell me what this means? And nobody knew who created it and really nobody Would tell him what it means. And, you know, somewhere, somewhere, someone did this, created this, put this system in place. And so it kind of shows at what a high level that these uh, controllers of things must have been aware.
1: While modern Christians worship the sun on Sunday or the day of the sun, those who follow Saturn have their own Sabbath day or day of worship. That day is, of course, Saturday, or Saturn's Day. Other days of the week also have interesting origins. Monday is for the moon. The gods and planets were Mars, Mercury, Jupiter, Venus, and Saturn. Once things got to the Nordic countries, the sun, Sunday, and the moon, Monday, also became the first days of the week, and the Roman gods became four of the Nordic gods with similarities. Mars became Tyr, or Tuesday. Mercury became Odin or Wednesday, Jupiter became Thor or Thursday, and Venus became Frigg or Friday.
0: So the the knowledge of what Jason just read is still going on. And I paused for a second to do a quick lookup, though I was reasonably sure I knew what I would find, is that 9-11-2001 was on a Tuesday. Well, why? That's Mars if you look up astrological ideas of what Mars represents, then you will quickly realize why something like that would happen on a Tuesday. I will go so far as to say uh, any major world changing event, and then in our near future, like maybe when money takes a big shift or something, I would not be surprised in the least if it ha- happens on a Tuesday. And I wish that movie I keep referencing with Peter Dinklage. I think we're alone now because I think it's echoing a big idea. I think he says everyone dies at like three thirty in the afternoon. I think it's a Tuesday. Hope I didn't get that wrong. It's either a Tuesday or Wednesday, but the reason for it is because that's associated with the certain energies And what's ironic about this is, to me, there would be much more power behind it if everybody was aware, oh, Tuesday, this is Mars Day, or Moon Day, Monday, this is Moon Day. But nonetheless, it still works, it's still leveraged, and very few people are even aware that the seven days of the week are directly named for a luminary. And actually, this tells us another thing, too. This was put together before the other luminaries that we're now aware of—Neptune, Uranus—were discovered. I mean, what would you add there? Anything?
1: No, but that's accurate. This is yet again another thing Jordan used to stress a lot. We don't take the
0: time to look around in a uh, overarching way, like this thing just happened. Well, what time is it? You know, even a police report does that. But uh, what I do is I think, okay, what month are we in? Uh, I think about things like, where are we? Where's the sun? High point, low point, equinox, where are we? Solar, what's the moon? Is the moon full today? But at the base of it, what day of the week is it? And once you begin to look around and think in these ways, to me, it pulls you a little closer to nature because what we're referencing is the luminaries above. And as I've said so many times, I do not accept the everything spinning NASA Solar system. What I accept is that all of what we call the solar system is here for us now, here, part of our existence, not something, you know, like the sun 93 million miles away. I call poppycock. It's here, it's for us, it's our little niche of whatever the universe may be.
1: This next point is not from Jordan, but from an article that seems to be very applicable here. Saturn and the Jews, November 10, 2017, by Shlomo Sila. Underlying the well-known link between Saturday, Shabbat in Hebrew, and Saturn, Shabbatai in Hebrew, is the reference to Saturn as the planet in charge of the Jews. Behind the link between Saturn and Saturday is the astrological theory that assigns the seven planets in succession, beginning with the sun and following the order of their orbs, to the 24 hours of the day and to the seven days of the week. Prominent Roman historians such as Tacitus and Cassius Dio, as well as church fathers like Augustine, acknowledged a special link between Saturn and Saturday, the holiest day of the week for the Jews. That Jewish society of the Talmudic period recognized the same association, is shown by the fact that the Babylonian Talmud, Shabbat 156a, refers to Saturn as Shabbatai, i.e. the star of Shabbat, or Saturday. Greek and Arab astrology, however, considered Saturn to be the most malignant of the seven planets, and thus the Jews, astrologically governed by Saturn, were considered to be contaminated by the planet's wicked nature. Abraham Ibn Ezra is the first Jewish thinker to deal with the problematic link between Saturn, Saturday, and the Jews. He addresses the astrological association throughout his writings, both scientific and non-scientific. He removes the sting of this embarrassing linkage by stressing that Saturn is actually conducive to a Jew's religious faith. In his long commentary on Exodus 20.13— Ibn Ezra associates Saturn with the fourth commandment, ordaining one to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, Exodus 28, and explains that this correspondence allows the Jews, by not occupying themselves with everyday matters, but devoting themselves solely to the fear of God on this day, to protect themselves from Saturn's baneful influence and also to improve the quality of their religious belief. I remember
0: when I was young, asking my father why everyone was always beating up on Jewish people. And if you go back and look at the accounts and all the research that I've done, uh, it's country after country after country that this is going on. Interesting side note, there seems to be a correspondence between Japan or being Japanese and Jewishness. Uh, I read an account. I think it was an ambassador Hope I get this right. Went from Japan to Israel uh, way back in the early 1900s uh, at some point, and they realized in the language that there was a commonality. But then again, you can go to Japan and find in religious traditions the black cube being used. Also, it's not really deniable if you break down what you see. Black is the color. Uh, you can see the Orthodox Jews with the black cube on their head. Of course, there's a black cube. In the middle of the Islamic ideas, but the black cube, I think it's on the top of the head or the forehead. I think it's the forehead, but there's also this black strappy thing that goes down a certain arm. I've forgotten what it's called, and it goes around the middle finger. Well, the middle finger is Saturnian, as is the arm that this is all going on, as is the binding or restrictive nature represented in the rings of Saturn, which I referenced earlier in a way that I think is easy to think about. I'm getting married. I'm ending. Entering into a binding contract, hence the ring. I'm bound now. I can't just go out and flirt and make out and have sex with any girl I want. I have entered a contract and assured the other person in that contract that I am exclusive to them now. That is binding. And that's the best way I can figure to get the idea of the ring. But what's been laid down here, I think, is at the root of that question that I asked my father. When I was very, very young, why is everyone always beating up on these people? And by the way, uh, money has a lot to do with it, the control
1: of money. And the last point for our one, one of Jordan's most often discussed subjects was astrotheology. We have already covered a great deal on that. So we will just make mention of this with this one point from an interview with Jordan. The entire story of the New Testament is an astrological story. That's interesting, since we have been told not to have anything to do with fortune-telling or astrology. And yet, in Genesis, Amos 5.8, and the book of Job, Job 37.18 and Job 9.9, 9, the Bible very clearly talks about how God created the heavens or zodiac. And in Job 38.32, God asks, Can you direct the signs of the zodiac or guide the constellation of the bear? This includes the proper translation of the word Maseroth into Zodiac, used in Moffat's English Bible and the New English Bible, for example. Yet many other versions don't bother to translate the word, but leave it as Maseroth, to the confusion of all readers, as in King James. And the entire scriptures are filled with the idea that God created the twelve signs of the Zodiac. That's why Jesus is called the Son, S-O-N, God's Son, S-O-N. S U N, who has twelve helpers or the twelve signs of the zodiac. And in the very beginning, Genesis one fourteen, the scripture says God created the luminaries of the night, the stars for signs. We're talking about zodiological signs. We have a misunderstanding as to what the scriptures are saying overall, and we need to get past the misunderstandings that we have been led into by the churches.
0: All right. This is an important important thing. First of all, from my point of view, yeah, it's there. It's referencing the sky clock, that part of the creation, but it is not the only thing that is there. It is deeper level than the surface narrative that talks about what a disciple did or what Jesus did or what was said on this mount or the fishes or any of those things. That's the surface, the lowest level narrative. As you go deeper, there's more. This is true of every major scripture-based religious tradition that I am aware of, and this also is critically important because why don't they translate Masaroth? Well, because they don't want you to to know. I've seen a similar thing done on Jewish, Jewish temple archaeological sites where there is absolutely no sky clock allowed. In association with the temple, and they're excavating an old temple. And guess what's inlaid on the floor? A zodiac. There it is. Can't deny it. It's there. We can see it. This is deeper meaning because it is comprehending something about nature, the truth of nature, the reality of this creation. And the comprehension of being able to know something about the sky clock was at a higher point in our evolution, if that's the right word, a very important thing. The idea being, you can either be thrown into the river and pushed around wherever the river's current takes you, or you can comprehend something about the river and be able to navigate your own way instead of being pushed around. That is the allegory of comprehending something about so-called astrology or the sky sky clock. And these are critical ideas. The problem is, part of what's been done is if you're a practicing Christian and you're faced with this, you've been taught that you're attacking the foundations of my religion. That's unfortunate. How about there are levels of meaning, and the more you learn and the more you know, the deeper you can go. What I know at my modest level have gone deeper than the surface narrative is that what I am aware of is knowing things about the creation, or to put that another way, comprehending the truths, the immutable truths that nature is providing me. With that, Jason, you want to add anything before we wrap up? Hour one of 528.
1: Well, for anyone who thinks that Jordan was slamming the Bible like it was worthless, it's actually the opposite that was true. He often said that he had the utmost respect for the Bible and read it often and was always referencing it. And then in Hour 2, we're going to get into some things that Jordan often discussed, like Freemasonic symbolism and words and terms associated with banking and the law.
0: So as I wrap up Hour 1 of 528, and I'm glad you put that in, because I think we need to get beyond creating these situations where someone feels like their religious tradition is being trashed, or if they accept these ideas, somehow they've left behind what was near and dear to them in their spiritual life. I am aware of at least a couple deeper levels, actually a little more than that, but the two most important immediately below the surface narrative is the sky clock narrative or so commonly called astrotheology as Jason just laid down. But the next one is about the human body and how you can activate a higher spiritual consciousness. That's pretty high level stuff. You're reading one paragraph and there's all these levels. One's about a story, surface narrative, and other ones about the sky clock and how that portion of the creation works. Very critical, the actual light of this world that guarantees all the life here, the sun. The next one down is the human body and the comprehension you can bring to the game, comprehending that your body is in fact your temple. And when you read in surface level narratives, don't look for God everywhere. Look within. God is within you. Uh, why are the side of your 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 head have temples? Well, there's a reason for all these things. Anyhow, that's it for hour one. We're gonna prep up, come back for hour two. Hour one is free to everybody at pro 7radio.com. That is crrow R O W777radio.com. Members know to log in and they get access to all the forums. There are tons of them and to all the comments under each episode, which is topic specific to that episode mostly, as well as the movie called Shoot the Moon, which is roughly two hours, has something like 10 awards now out in the world, and it covers all the telescope work. And I think parts of that may become important in the era we're going into, particularly the idea of the sun we don't see. With that, we're going to prep up. I hope to see you over at the website for hour two logged in as a member. And I would like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. There it is, man. Cheers.